Travellers. Welcome to Podcast 94 in our series, You Should Have Been There. With me, Mick Webb. And me, Simon Calder. And I'm speaking to you from self-isolation, having returned at the weekend from the beautiful American state of Florida. That's the subject of our podcast today. You'll be hearing voices from my latest trip, which included... uh, utterly fascinating bar in Orlando, Mick, which I know you would love, and watching a space launch. Now, I've visited the Sunshine State dozens of times. And Mick, um, do you want to tell me your full Florida experience? Uh, Well, I have spent quite a lot of time inside Miami Airport. I'm waiting for connecting flights to and from uh, Latin America. And indeed, um, really many hours in queues being um, frisked and um, uh, smelt by dogs trying to check whether I had uh, lots of illegal drugs in my uh, luggage, uh, which I never did, by the way. Uh, presumably, I wouldn't be talking to you now if I had. So, um, uh, um, And the only other thing uh, that I once did was to spend, I think it must have been a um, a morning um, looking out of the window of the one of the Miami airport holiday inns because I was on is it a stopover? Do they call it a layover or something? Don't they, in yes. The um, just just to explain uh, now, you and I know this very well indeed. But um, uh, Miami is absolutely the kind of uh, American hub for Latin America. Whether you're just hopping over to uh, Puerto Rico or Dominican Republic, or whether you're going to the deep south, um, Bolivia, Chile, Argentina, etc., you almost inevitably have to go through. Miami. And furthermore, um, the flights are timed, so they tend to go out from Miami in the morning. Um, flights from the UK don't arrive until the afternoon and evening. So, yes, you do. You very often have to have a layover. Yeah, well, it was a layover. Well, I spent a very happy morning in my uh, in my inn. Uh, on, it was on quite a uh, one of the higher floors. So I, you know, it's about six floors up, I think. And uh, had a very, very good view of an absolutely extraordinarily busy and complicated uh, interstate uh, um, (laughs) interchange. Uh, It was sort of like, um, uh, well, I suppose it was just American, really. It was like uh, uh, Spaghetti Junction, the the famous uh, M1 um, uh, experience on uh, speed and heaven knows what. There There was just loads and loads of clover leaf things and uh, mm. uh, hundreds of trucks and buses and uh, i remember that what actually happened was a huge lorry which was filled with some weird rusting cables and things because i had plenty of time to look at it actually broke down in the middle of this thing and <laughs> caused an absolutely massive traffic jam um, uh, mm. so i i was spent half the time um, enjoying this uh, and the other half turning around into my room and uh, looking at my television and flicking through the hundreds of cable channels with my remote control, which was not something we had at all in the UK at that time. So that, that was about it, really. So, OK, well, you're making that uh, that freeway sound like a bit of performance art, which I'm very enthused with. But, oh, gosh, Mick, a 20-minute cab ride would have taken you to Calle Ocho, Little Havana, 
um, which is, uh, well, the US version of um, the Cuban capital, or um, you know, in half an hour, you can be across in Miami Beach, which um, uh, is, of course, uh, full of, of glamour and glitz and so on, but it's also got a fascinating amount of um, art deco. Um, uh, so I'm just intrigued as to why you um, kind of almost did a self-isolation thing before self-isolation was a thing. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I'd read it in the stars. I was, um, uh, let me just try and work this out. Fifteen thirty-five, uh, yeah, a bit uh, thirty-five years early. Oh yes, the, okay. Well, look for, uh, for the experience. And, and look, you you are a mountain man, and therefore Florida is absolutely the last place that you should be going. Um, that that can you believe? There's a table of the uh, lowest high points in each state. And Florida wins that easily. the The highest point is barely, barely above um, above a hundred meters. It's three hundred and forty five feet. Um, it's called Britain Hill. Although you wouldn't actually know that there was much of a hill there, except if you're on the right road, it goes past a a, a sign saying pointing you to uh, Florida's highest point. Um, and it's uh, well, uh, I, I, if you were to go to you're, you're talking to me from Streatham to neighbouring Crystal Palace. You would be a lot higher than the highest point in Florida. It's not for mountaineering, um, but uh, it does have some other joys. To be honest, this is my view of it, um, knowing nothing about it. An interesting and very right-wing Latin American community of uh, of of former Cubans, um, uh, but obviously a load of fun. Um, loads of golf courses with people like Donald Trump um, sort of driving around in carts and uh, and uh, uh, fantasy um, theme parks, uh, yeah. Disney and various other things. I, I, none of that really massively appeals to me, I must say. Uh, no, and look, you've got many, many of the dimensions, but let me, let me give you a few more. Um, there, there is genuinely an awful lot of cowboy country. This is where the Spanish came in, um, in the town of Santa Augustine in Florida. Uh, and and um, they, they effectively cultivated the place they there's still ranching going on um citrus plantations still really important um but of course uh, there are other other dimensions um it's the main gateway from earth to space and we will hear more about that <laughs> and it, yeah uh, on the panhandle and bear in mind and maybe maybe you want to have a quick look at the map here because um of the the Florida Peninsula, this this sort of thumb of land sticking. I will have a look at the map. Actually, hang on half a second. Let's have a look. I'll try not to. I'll try not to interfere with the recording while I'm doing this. So, um, okay, give me half a sec. I'm gonna. So the Panhandle is. Uh, well, so so if you go on a road trip, which I have done, then when you are on the Panhandle, this is just you. You are in classic deep south you've got uh, uh well a whole string of beautiful beach resorts which don't have anybody from the uk there even though in many ways they are more attractive than some of uh, florida's other resorts um you've you've got uh towns cities which are of entirely of the deep south so the accents change the 
kind of worldview changes. You've got, uh, for example, relics of, of um, uh, racial discrimination um, in the uh, fine town of Pensacola, for instance. There's a whole trail you can go on where you kind of follow where the um, uh, black musicians used to tour and the hotels and the that they were allowed to stay in and the places they were allowed to play, um, which, of course, were, were separate from uh, from white people. And, and so... It, it, it is a, a a combination of of great things, and most British people. I I hate to make generalisations, but I think most of the eight hundred thousand or so people who go there every year are going straight to Orlando, um, in the middle of that uh, that uh, peninsula, and they are going to the uh, theme parks. And frankly, I don't blame them. Ah. Well, d- d- did you do that? I should just say, actually, look, I'm, I've I've been um, <clears throat> looking uh, with the help of uh, Mr. Google uh, at um, <laughs> at something called Alligator Point, which is uh, uh, just because I like the idea of it, and uh, it's it looks a kind of a really interesting bit of sort of low scrubland, a bit <clears throat> sort of thing that I remember seeing in True Detective uh, season <laughs> one, and uh, and there's a sign here on the road um it's called bald point road and there's something saying lights out sea turtles nesting so that means as you drive down here at night you've got to dim your lights um because uh because of the turtles that's nice isn't it oh sure there's there's huge amounts of wildlife there because actually um most of of florida is actually uh wilderness and much of it left in the original state so therefore you've got an awful lot of uh, manatees these so-called sea cows where and you can go swimming with those um you know of clearly discreet and respectful way and uh, keeping your distance from them um in on, on the other side on the atlantic coast uh, you 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 probably know about the atlantic flyway which is effectively a kind of uh, commuter uh, route for uh, migrating birds. Well, they all kind of come down to land on a place called Merritt Island, which shares um, both wonderful wetland habitat and the Kennedy Space Centre. It's quite weird, and uh, uh, that, but but lots of people I've met um, had had driven uh, south from places like Ohio. They were avidly photographing the roseate spoonbills, oh, right. yeah, which yeah. were uh, splashing around, catching fish in front of us, and uh, you, you you are in in, in deep uh, rural wilderness um, and tranquility, absolutely gorgeous until the rocket uh, goes off, of course. Um, but uh, uh, the, the the theme parks keep luring me back, um, and while you're not going to find any mountains, you are going to find some of the world's best uh, uh, theme park rides. I went on to the Velocicoaster, which is the biggest, nastiest and newest. That's at Universal in um, <laughs> uh, in Orlando. You didn't go and with I your children, did you, dear, on this trip? Uh, no, 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 absolutely no, not. So this... um, but I... I <laughs> I, I couldn't record anything because it would have been just noise and screams and so on. But this is an absolutely brutal roller coaster, which is 
fantastic. It just, you, you spend quite a lot of the time actually upside down dangling from a, a car. You, you find that you are um, accelerated. Well, first of all, you think, oh, this is quite nice going around a, a version of Jurassic Park. And you think, oh, I can cope with this. It'll turn me over a couple of times. That's fine. And then suddenly it accelerates into hyperspace. And at that point onwards, you are lost. And this is all happening while you are about 100 feet from um, Hogwarts. The school and Harry Potter. And it's just, it completely, well, I was going to say does your head in. Um, it's it's a, a wonder that uh, you can you can have um, uh, ultimate G-forces and thrills and so on. Um, uh, uh, and also you can see the people who worship at the shrine of Harry Potter. Large numbers of Americans dress up in Hogwarts robes, uh, in a cape and everything, um, with their scarves, and they go and process through Hogwarts. It's just weird. Um, anyway, I met um, met a lot of uh, interesting people, including my dear friend Simon and Susan Vaness. Um, these are the people who, for uh, many years, have published the Brit Guide to Orlando. Now, I have a lot in common with Simon because, like me, he's from uh, Crawley, and he told me why a UK specific guide is necessary. Well, a lot of people think they know what's in Orlando, but you, you do have huge cultural differences. You have huge differences of operation. I mean, a simple, simple example is the fact that most people won't recognise any of the restaurant names. Everything is different. You're driving on the wrong side of the road. There are different rules for driving on the wrong side of the road. There are minutiae for navigating the parks and for really understanding how it all works, especially from a UK perspective, because we don't have anything like this in the UK. It's on a scale and a detail that just nobody else does. And that in itself is bewildering. And you need someone to take you by the hand and steer you Around. We've been doing it for 27 years and we, we think we've got a pretty good handle on it by now. And are you enticing people to leave the kind of international drive, universal and Disney areas and explore more widely? Yes, please. Yeah. I mean, the, the British market tends to come over for two and three weeks at a time, which is way too long just to spend on the theme parks. Get beyond the theme parks, get beyond the tourist areas discover the real Florida. Don't come to Florida without seeing Florida, which you won't really do in the theme parks. Within 10-15 minutes drive, you can be somewhere like the Lake Apopka Wildlife Drive. Uh, an hour uh, to the west will take you to Lake uh, to Merritt Island National Wildlife Refuge. There are so many natural places you can discover, and Florida is a fantastic state for nature, for, for the, you know, the pure enjoyment of seeing the landscape. Well, I think I'd prefer to be... Um... Uh, down with the wildlife, uh, <laughs> even if it is caimans and uh, rather dangerous things like that, than uh, than upside down on the Velocicoaster. I, <laughs> I have actually been on some of the, uh, where well, they were state-of-the-art rides in um, Euro Disney uh, a while ago. Um, Walt Disney World in Florida, uh, which of course preceded Disneyland Paris, uh, actually celebrates its 50th anniversary this year and uh, the other half of the venice um, enterprise susan venice has written a book on uh what we call hidden magic and this is all about the things that if you uh, uh don't know where to look you're going to miss them when you are exploring the uh, great disney empire in orlando 
Oh, there's so much magic hidden at Disney. The parks are absolutely full of little um, hidden gems, hidden Imagineer signatures. Um, for example, in Galaxy's Edge, it's absolutely full of Star Wars references. Some of them are obvious, some of them are not obvious at all, and it is everywhere. So anybody who just thinks, oh, well, here's a Star Wars themed um, part of the park, um, it, it simply isn't looking closely enough. They're not looking closely enough, and it, it can go from, you know, big things that you'll really recognize, the different spaceships, um, right down to references, numbers on a spaceship that refer to um, the opening date of Magic Kingdom, the opening date of Epcot. It, it's everywhere. One different question. Christmas in Orlando. How is it? Christmas in Orlando is spectacular. If you're coming to the parks, you may want to pack your patience because it's really crowded. But if you're coming to just enjoy the atmosphere, it can't be beat. Orlando really knows how to do Christmas. Okay, what else did you get up to? I did some quite grown-up things as well, including visiting a bar which is quite unlike anywhere I've ever been, and quite possibly you too. This is called the Imperial Bar. It's actually part of a massive second-hand shop, or antique shop, or junk shop, depending on um, how you want to describe it, where the owner goes off to um, Asia, usually to India, buys up all kinds of uh, great pieces of of mismatching furniture, works of art and so on. So, for example, um, you've got a, a complete set of chairs made from Indonesian oil drums. And, of course, they've still got the original <laughs> Indonesian branding of them. Um, and I, I talked a bit more about it to the manager, Jenna Pierce. So the Imperial has been around about 12 years, um, and it changes all the time. We bring in a lot of uh, some domestic and mostly local beers, a lot of imports, some unique stuff. And uh, we have live music on the weekends. It's fun. It's a fun little concept. And people can actually buy the furniture that they're sitting in. Yeah, you can. if you decide you love this table and it'll fit well in your house, you can buy it. <laughs> um, it seems absolutely a unique location. I've not seen anything like this anywhere. Um, how does it fit in with the rest of Orlando's attractions? It's, it's kind of just a separate little thing on its own. So people that are, that are at Disney and they want something local, like a local vibe and don't want to be part of the hustle and bustle of all of that, uh, they come down here where it's just very mellow. The lights are dim and the music's low. And sometimes we have, like I said, live music. And so it's kind of a local thing. It's nice to get away from the hustle most of the touristy areas. Oh, well, that sounds a bit more like my kind of fun. Uh, but I'm very keen to know about, uh, about the space uh, mission. Well, yes, and this is something which if um, people are perhaps our sort of age, you will remember Cape Canaveral. This is where the moon landing rockets blasted off from. Um, and they chose it because it was really very far south and you want to be as far south as you can in order to get the uh, 
extra acceleration from the, uh, the, the the spin of the Earth, which is um, more intense the closer you are to the equator. But also, you want a very very large patch of water in case anything goes wrong with your with your um, uh, lift off, and that's called the Atlantic Ocean. And it is this this um, uh, this cape which protrudes into the Atlantic, and it's now occupied by. Uh, the Kennedy Space Center, which might sound to you like, well, that's something really important with lots of uh, lots of people um, uh, sitting around doing important things. It's not. It's basically a theme park. However, <laughs> just along the road, you have got the various launch sites. And what you've also got in this uh, great tourist attraction is the chance to meet an astronaut. And I was lucky enough to meet Bruce Melnick, who flew on a couple of shuttle missions into space. Um, we were standing beside Atlantis. This is a relic of the space age that's now installed in Kennedy Space Center, or rather they built an entire building around it. Um, and he told me what life was like up there. The space shuttle, it was really a working spaceship. We, it's not only living quarters, but we had to work in space, and it's a myriad of tasks that we could do. My second flight, the primary mission was to, it's been dubbed the Intelsat Rescue Mission. There was a satellite that was launched on a uh, unmanned rocket, and it was supposed to be, go way up to geosynchronous orbit, 22,000 miles up, but it, the second stage failed, and it was stuck in a low Earth orbit. So we carried a rocket motor up in the payload bay of Endeavour on our first flight and through a lot of perseverance ended up putting three people out on a spacewalk to actually grab this satellite with their gloved hands and attached it to this new rocket motor and we sent it up, up to its proper orbit. So we did an engine change at 17,500 miles an hour. And then living in space, um, I don't know if you can see the hatch there where we go in, but the mid-deck is the down-below part, the flight deck is the up-above part, and down that mid-deck is where we did a lot of our uh, onboard experiments. It's where we, the mission specialists, we slept at night. The pilot and commander generally slept upstairs in their, uh, their regular launch seats. Uh, we prepare our meals downstairs, there's a bathroom downstairs, so it's like its own little hotel. Now, a lot of people think that, wow, how could you, you know, function in that small space for so long? But what a lot of people don't realize is that you use the whole volume. You know, you and I have this, you know, a square foot area here, and this is the only space we can utilize. But when you're in zero gravity, you can float around, you can use the ceiling, you can use the walls. You just kind of work wherever you want. It's awesome. We are now in the Kennedy Space Center. It's a wonderful tourist attraction, but is it more than that? Oh, this, see, I consider it as an educational experience. I mean, this, this is really a, such a unique attraction. Yes, it's entertaining, yes, it's, but I mean, you can't walk through here without learning something. I mean, it, it, it is just an inspirational place. I'm so fortunate to have been able to come back here and after flying in space, be a part of this Delaware North Kennedy Space Center Visitor Complex team. It's, it's I get to reminisce, I get to talk with people like you and share those experiences, but there's so much to learn here. There's so many things to do here that you can't do it all in one day. And it's even getting worse because now we have this new exhibit called Gateway we're opening up. You know, if you look at the Kennedy Space Center now, it's very historic. We've got everything from the beginning, early beginnings of the unmanned rockets out here in the rocket garden to, you know, Saturn 1B, which is Apollo Soyuz. We've got the Mercury Gemini. We've got our own spaceship Atlantis here. 
But Gateway is about what we're doing now and the gateway to the future. And if you wanna see what the future is gonna be like, come, come back in March of next year and you'll see what it's like. Are there loads of uh, launches, rockets taking off, uh, you know, on Tuesdays and Thursdays? Or... Almost. It's not quite as good as that, but there's there's a few dozen every year. And unbelievably, you never know if you're going to luck out because very often they're postponed because if any kind of problem is detected before launch, then they're just closed down. Um, I was lucky enough to witness a space launch and... It's such a great experience. So everyone just goes down to the waterside. I was at a place called Kennedy um, Point Park. Um, This is uh, looking across the water to the Kennedy Space Centre. And there's a whole lot of people there. They were all listening to this shortwave radio to um, hear what's happening. And then suddenly you see this dazzle of light on the horizon and this craft lifting into space it looks incredibly slow but in fact by the time they get across get get past the uh, launch site they're already going 100 miles an hour this was um thanks to um, elon musk actually his spacex company and it was uh, taking dozens of uh, little satellites into spain uh, space spain there we are freudian slip um and 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 it soars up through the atmosphere and then only It feels like an age. This rumble suddenly appears across the water because, of course, uh, Uh uh, light travels much faster than sound. And uh, just such a a sublime experience because there you are and you can see this thing for uh, hundreds of miles soaring into the cosmos. It's a really uplifting experience. And, of course, some... Then you get into your car and you're being guided back to your cheap motel um, with the uh, with the sat nav, which is what it's all about. So uh, you can't plan these things. I mean, if you did, you could well be disappointed. But if you're in Florida and there's any chance, it's just so easy. You literally just drive your car and you pull up by the side of the road and watch um, watch a connection to the cosmos. Well, did it make you... Um... Uh, want to join the billionaires and uh, space junk and and escape the uh, <coughs> pandemic uh, by uh, going no, on no, one it yourself? Didn't. I mean, very very few people have have um, actually been into space. They've just, I think, uh, passed the six hundred mark, and that includes space tourists. So uh, the idea of yeah, I mean. Uh, Bruce Melnick, the uh, astronaut I met, clearly had a, a great time there. Um, but uh, I, I, no, I think I think there are more. There is more to see on planet Earth than than above it. Uh, so I've got no no great wish to to be there. But uh, it was just a perfect um, conclusion to a terrific trip around Florida, where again I just discovered more more dimensions, more interesting people. Um, and yes, we, we kind of speak roughly the same language, but uh, there's so much, so much more to offer. So I would say uh, get back there, go and do the Velocicoaster just to kind of bring you up to um, uh, roller coaster date after your, your Disney experience. And then um, we'll go, go and enjoy the wilds. 
that's probably enough for uh, for this week. Uh, I must say you have uh, rather sold me um, the idea of spending a bit more time in uh, Florida and actually uh, getting out of the uh, uh, cheap uh, airport hotel and investigating at least the wildlife. I'm still not at all sure about the uh, Velocicoaster, but uh, I'll, I'll sleep on that one. <laughs> Sleeping is, is actually not remotely possible on the Velocicoaster, I should need to point out. <laughs> Yes, bad choice of uh, images. Of course, we're delighted to hear your view of Florida and any aspects of the Sunshine State that we may have missed um, on Twitter. Just go to at you should have BT and you can tweet us from there. Or, of course, go to anchor.fm forward slash you should have been there and leave us a lovely audio message. But for now, from me, Simon Calder and me, Mick Webb, goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.